8.48, actually, just about. Let's get to our science and technology with Mark Zastro, science journalist. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. And on the way, Fukushima still has a big problem. How to dispose of radioactive wastewater. And scientists can keep pigs' brains alive for 36 hours. You might not think that's a big deal, but this is after decapitation. Okay, now it starts to get interesting. Um, But Mark, let's begin with uh, a question. Was last November's Pohang earthquake caused actually by a geothermal plant? That's right. This is a question that's received a lot of attention even since the days right after that quake. And now uh, last week, two studies were actually published in the journal Science to actually look at this question. They were, uh, the two teams were independent of one another, one team here in Korea, another team mostly based in Zurich. And they each analyzed seismic data from the earthquake. And the Korean team concluded that the earthquake was probably induced or almost certainly induced by this so-called enhanced geothermal power plant, which was injecting water a few kilometers underground. They find that the the earthquake's hypocenter was actually just a few hundred meters away from the end of the borehole where the water was being injected. So they were basically injecting the water directly into the fault zone. And then the Zurich team was looking mostly at longer-distance seismic data, but they also concluded that the earthquake originated from right underneath the geothermal power plant. So if this is confirmed by more studies, that would make the Pohang quake the strongest earthquake by far uh, to ever be linked to a geothermal power plant. Previously, the strongest known was a 3.4 in Switzerland. And this, the Pohang quake, was a thousand times stronger than that. And of course, as we know, it was the most destructive quake in modern records in this country. And it raises even bigger questions about our power activities. An enhanced geothermal plant, what does that mean? And how... Would this have worked um, in terms of water being pumped into the fault zone? Right. So uh, this is not your typical geothermal power plant. Uh, your your conventional geothermal plant uh, circulates a fluid like simple water down into the ground where there are hot rocks. So this works especially well in you know places like Iceland or the western U.S. where there are you know lots of hot springs or geysers. And so then this water permeates through the rock underground, through the cracks and the fissures, and then it heats up and you pump it back up to the ground and you extract the heat with like a, you know, like a steam turbine. But an enhanced geothermal power plant like the one in Pohang, that's a relatively new sort of experimental uh, kind of plant that people are building in areas that usually aren't seismically active. The enhanced part is that they're actually, they're injecting water into the ground in order to crack the rock open. So they're actually trying to create faults and cracks in the rock so that the fluid can flow more easily through it and it makes it easier to extract the heat. Is that something similar to fracking, which is linked to earthquakes in the US, in Canada and Europe? It, it is a kind of a similar process, yeah. Fracking also disposes of a lot of wastewater, uh, injecting it underground. And, uh, you know, those quakes, as you say, uh, they have been linked to earthquakes. Uh, those reach magnitudes of three, four, maybe some, a couple of magnitude five quakes. But what's interesting is that the amount of water injected in fracking is much, much more than what happened in Poong, thousands of times more. So what's really sort of concerning here, and it really surprised a lot of the scientists that I talked to, 
was you know just how strong this quake was and how little fluid was injected uh, about a thousand times you know a thousand times less than in fracking and so for that reason you know some scientists are still skeptical about the role of the plant Certainly, you know, most people believe this was an area where the fault was already under stress. It was close to slipping. And maybe that was due to the 2011 Tohoku earthquake in Japan. And the plant was just the final trigger. So we should say, you know, there is still a healthy debate, scientific debate going on. Uh, but both teams of researchers did tell me that this is certainly going to change the practices in the geothermal power industry going forward. They're going to be more cautious about what, what sites to choose. Of course, the Korean government is also proceeding with an investigation into a potential role for the plant. Uh, based on those findings, they're going to decide what to do with it. Pohong City has also threatened legal action against the plant if it's found responsible. So this is an issue that's not going to go away here in Korea. Yeah, I, I was going to say there must be that legal question as well whenever we start talking about man-made influences. Right. But the stakes are high in part because of all the nuclear power plants in the area around Busan and Ulsan. And, and that brings us to our next story, because the cleanup of the destroyed Fukushima nuclear plant in Japan is still struggling to figure out what to do with all of its radioactive water. That's right. As, as we know, there is still uh, radioactive fuel left somewhere in that complex. And every day there's, uh, there are maybe 150 tons of groundwater that is leaking into the area and it becomes contaminated, it becomes radioactive, literally. So TEPCO, the plant's operator, has filtration systems in place to extract a lot of those radioactive particles. But what they still can't filter out is the so-called heavy water. So tritium, it's a radioactive isotope of hydrogen, and it forms H2O molecules, it forms water molecules, just like any other form of hydrogen. So it's very, very expensive to filter out this radioactive heavy water from normal water. And as Wired reported last week, that radioactive water is piling up in tanks on site. They now have millions of tons of heavy water. And in fact, TEPCO has to build a new tank every four days to store it. Uh, and there's still no plan for how to deal with it. Those numbers are just crazy. What are the options for actually disposing of it? Well, some people argue it might actually be safe to do a controlled release of it into the sea, dump it into the sea, to dilute it responsibly. Uh, but that is not a very popular option, to put it mildly. So right now, the only alternative we have is to basically wait and hope that the technology to filter it becomes much cheaper. Yeah. Um, and finally, a fascinating, potentially gruesome study. That does question conceptions of life and death. Researchers have reportedly succeeded in keeping the brain of a pig alive outside of the body for 36 hours after being decapitated. Could this be useful for transplants or well, other me not medicinal quite. uses? We're, we're not there yet. It's Frankenstein experiments then? No, no well, maybe. That's, that's, that is the question that is being raised. For now, we're not anywhere near that. But what has happened is that a, a team at Yale has been able to do this experiment. They've reported it at a closed doors conference at the U.S. National Institutes of Health in Maryland in March. But word has gotten around the scientific community, and this story was actually broken last week by MIT Tech Review. Basically, the team developed a way to restore circulation of oxygen to a brain after it's decapitated and removed. So they're able to get the oxygen through the small blood vessels. And... Uh, 
have it be pumped into the brain circulation system. And at that point, it remains a living organ, very similar to how we preserve a heart or a kidney or any other organ and keep it, you know, quote unquote, alive outside the human body. And according to their tests on a cellular level, the brain tissue remains healthy and capable. Now, what is it thinking? Right. That's the big question. We don't necessarily know that. Uh, We actually don't think the pig is conscious, or I should say the researchers think that it's basically the same as a comatose brain. So there's no evidence that that it is awake or aware, but they are concerned because they could potentially, or other teams could do this and try to take steps to restore awareness. And actually, these scientists, they wouldn't talk on the record to media, but reportedly at the conference, you know, they, they said that this you know, what would this be like? What would it be like being in a sensory deprivation tank? It raises a lot of questions. There's certainly going to be a flurry of research into this and a whole lot of ethics debates, too. It's it's very black mirror, isn't it? It is. Mark Zastro with our Science and Technology. Thank you very much. Really interesting stories, as always, in our Science and Tech Roundup on a Tuesday morning.